Welcome to the Before Midnight podcast, coming to you from the N Plus One studios overlooking beautiful downtown Frankfurt. In this podcast, we explore the world of age group triathletes. We'll be looking at the real world challenges of being an amateur multi-sport athlete. I'm your host, Linda Word, along with my co-host, Brian Schenkenfelder. How's it going? It is phenomenal. It's great. <laughs> it's good to be alive. The weather is warmer today. I know. And we're sitting here. I'm kind of like, all right. It's not that warm, <laughs> but it is warm. <laughs> well, it's actually been dry for long enough that I could get on the mountain bike. Oh, okay. Probably, yeah. Yeah. It's It might be dry enough out there. It's been kind of I, moist. I went out Sunday morning, Easter Sunday, at 7 o'clock in the morning, like as soon as the sun was up, so I could go before Easter Sunday chaos happened. Not one other soul. It was perfect. I went trail running, though. I didn't ride. And I was like, oh, I wish I could go out later on the mountain bike. But family events, so couldn't do it. But yeah, it's Easter. Yeah. Yeah, got to be good. <laughs> I did go bike ride today, but it's it's still kind of cool out there. I need gloves and stuff to, to ride. The sun was nice, though. It was nice to have some sun coming down on your face. Yes. Yes, I've missed it. I do car duty in the mornings and get the kids out of the cars from 7.15 till 8. And I am very tired of winter. And I have expressed that to the families. I've been tired of winter for three months. (laughs) (laughs) I've been out every morning in it for three months. Oh, Oh, that will be. This weekend should be nice. Yes, it's going to be in the 80s. Holy smokes. We do always talk about the weather. (laughs) I know. It should be just a weather podcast. The local Frankfurt weather meteorologist here, (laughs) having our daily podcast talking about the weather. We're looking outside. Looks like it might rain. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, But it means that we can do stuff and it makes life a whole lot easier. At least do stuff outside. We can do stuff and we can talk about the stuff we do rather than just sit around all day and think about stuff. We're going to be doing when it warms up. Instead of just waiting, we're actually doing it. Yay! Anyway, so how's your how's your boy doing with the elbow? He's done with it. He's <laughs> long done with that cast. We we did put a countdown up on the kitchen. There's there nine days left. Nine days left. All right. In theory, the cast will come off at that point in time. I I assume it will. That'll be in six weeks. That's okay. a long time in a cast for a kid. They usually kid, come out yes. in about four weeks. I Most talked cast. to a friend of mine last night who had the exact same injury, but she's a fifty-five-year-old adult. They did not take the screws out of her elbow. Right. And she was in, well, I don't even know if she was in a cast. They had her doing physical therapy more than, like, she was in a sling and she wasn't allowed to move it, but. For adults, that's a life-changing injury. For kids, (laughs) it's just a long break. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She's, I mean, she's an ER nurse. She's. You know, she, um, ICU nurse. I mean, she's been a nurse. She's a retired nurse. She knows what, you know, exactly what was going to happen and how it was going to work. But I showed her your son's x-rays, and she's like, oh, yeah, I still have those. <laughs> so Yeah, no. he's But he's done with it, especially, especially with the soccer practices and games. Although he's getting a little more, doing a little more in practice than I know mom would like and probably more than, I would like to be. You got to teach him how to coach. He's he's out there playing. <laughs> you just don't want him to fall. I mean, the worst was, I guess, practice where he ran up the hill and then ran back down the hill. Mm-hmm. And the coach, I'm like, don't run down the hill. Go slow. Go easy. You don't want to fall. 
Like I, I don't think if he falls, it's going to hurt his elbow. I think he's going to destroy his shoulder. <laughs> yeah. that cast I is, mean, the cast is from here, you know, goes from, from the, the hand wrist all the way, all the way to the shoulder. I, I don't think it'll break. That that cast is pretty flipping strong. Yeah, no, the cast isn't going to break. It's other things, and the elbows will be fine. It's everything that's attached to it. Yeah. Yes, which would be a problem. Ooh. Yeah, I'm waiting for this cast to come off. Let him just go back out there and play again. I, I know the doctors don't want him to, but. It's just the way it's going to be. He's a boy who's 10 years old, not stopping. Yeah, no. But, yeah, we had I had games this weekend. Okay. The older kids did better, 10, 11. I've kind of got the same kids for a while. They kind of know the, the what for, and, and, and they played fairly well. We, we were able to come away with a victory. That was fun. Good. Like, that was, like, their first couple of those kids, like, the first time they'd ever won, or won a game in, like, two or three years. Oh, Cause wow. Because that was the same team last season that we didn't win anything. Well, when did you start, keep, start um, keeping score? Last year? Oh, we've been keeping score for a while. Okay. Just I know the kids always did. Well, right? I mean, some of the kids who hadn't been on my team before that were on other teams oh. and then were on my team last year. And then, again, that was some of their first okay. wins. Because uh, last year, was we just didn't have any offense. We played fairly well. We got better as the season yeah. went on. Of course, I, I had a lot that. of people I was breaking in <laughs> for that one as well. This time, I, I don't have quite as many. And it, it went well. They're learning. Good. We got some more offense. Once Alex comes back, that could be a pretty good team. Good. Uh, also got a six-seven team that I got thrown into, and that was a mm. huge mistake. <laughs> we probably talked about this. Yeah, that's too young for me, and I have too many. It was bad. We played. The other team had one or two good players, and yeah, we got absolutely just stomped, like six to one or something. I mean, like six that. to sevens are still scattered. It's pack soccer. It's awful. Uh, they they don't really understand the fact that you know if we spread out this becomes a lot easier. Yeah, they don't get no. that. That not at that age, not no, quite. It's it's just pack soccer. It was yeah, we're back to the drawing board with this team. I mean, I'm gonna have to teach them how to defend, and we're gonna have to go from the back to the front mm-hmm. with how we play. I mean, the, it, it, we we'd practiced, and I thought they had some ideas mm-hmm. of like what a corner kick was what a kickoff was nope <laughs> nope i'm in the game and i'm like okay let's t- uh, you know after after we get down like four to nothing and we're not really competitive the other guy kind of took his better players and put them in the back which doesn't surprise me we uh i just started writing notes <laughs> i'm sitting <laughs> in the field writing notes down like what well, we're going to need to work on going forward <laughs> so this i had them right there know. yeah it was it was that bad that's mm-hmm. okay okay that's okay. And Alex wanted to get out and play that game, too. Like, sorry, son, you can't play. Sorry, you can't play. Yeah. Well, I'm tempted to, like, bubble wrap, let him go out and play because it's like he's not going to stop anyway. He's, I'm but sure he's running back and forth on the sidelines the entire it, time. At the end of the day, though, I don't think he would be very effective out there yeah. if he did play because he wouldn't be able to run very fast. He wouldn't be able right. to really, with that elbow, with that whole arm just in a sling-type environment, he yeah. just can't. He can't play with the aggressiveness he, he normally plays with. Yeah. But better he sits out for at least till next Friday, which that's when we're supposed to get the cast off. Yeah, I'll probably end up letting him play the next day. <laughs> <laughs> I won't tell Just the doctor. Just because he's happy. Yeah. Because he won't be able to. Well, and he's still going to be a little lopsided. Even when the you know just strength wise, and he's been used to you know how long he's been in the cast five weeks now. Yeah. Almost five, so 
learning how to how to run straight, all of a sudden, you know, oh my gosh, his arm's going to be mobile. It's going to throw him off a little. Maybe. I suspect he'll... I mean, it'd be pretty quick, but... He's a kid. He'll adapt quickly. The, the bigger questions I'm going to have is his elbow's been immobilized for six weeks. Yeah. What kind of mobility is he going to have? Yeah. How frozen is it? How much effort, pain, and stuff to be able to bend his elbow and get that range of motion back. Yeah. That's going to be his bigger problem, if I were to guess, in the short term. When are they taking the screws out? It's another five months. Oh, okay. Okay. They're in there for a while. Okay. For yeah. some reason, I thought those were coming out pretty quick. but. Well, I mean, that's pretty quick. Well, that <laughs> is pretty quick, yeah. life of things. Yeah, yeah. I'd, like I said, hopefully we'll get x-rays that show the bone is all healed together again. Get the cast off. Pins will still be there, holding things in place, place. a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Give it a little bit more time to solidify around it, and then they'll take the pins out. Yeah, I wonder. Will they do physical therapy with him? Depends if he needs it. I yeah. don't. I don't know if he's going to need it. To be honest, I, like I said, I don't know if he's going to run into any mobility issues. I, that would be the yeah. only thing you would need physical therapy for. Well, like I said, that's what my friend did. I mean, it was, you know, like I said, since she's a nurse, she knew how much she needed to push it and she's also an athlete so it's like well you want it to go this far it's gonna go that far <laughs> it's like okay <laughs> you sure about doing that <laughs> so but you're yeah i mean as kids it's just so different because they're not so nothing things are just aren't as rigid correct as with adults so and it may not be frozen he may have range of motion immediately and have no discomfort with it yeah won't know until the cast comes off, but six weeks is a long time. Yeah. I to not move your arm. To not yes. move that elbow at all. Yeah. At the last three months, he was able to move it some. I mean, he really wasn't like trying to like really super move it because it's, when they did the cast before, when they changed well, they had to take the cast off to do the X-rays. Right. They me uh, moved it a little bit and he didn't have any real pain. Okay. At this well, point, that's I. Good. I don't think there's any pain. It's just now getting the bones to strengthen. Because when we got the first x-ray, it was, you could see white, but it was a real light white. Okay. We need a real dark white <laughs> for it to be fully healed. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm suspecting that's what we'll see this next time when we go. Yeah. At least that's my hope. That way we get him out of the cast and get him into happy land again. <laughs> poor guy. <laughs> oh, my gosh, the poor guy. Well, I uh, I don't know if we even did we even talk about my knee last time. I don't remember what we talked about last time. I don't remember. I don't remember. You're talking about two or three days ago. I can't. I don't, I, I barely remember the soccer games was last weekend. <laughs> well, I went I went and had the X-rays done, and they said I had arthritis, so they gave me prednisone, and I did that. Like I started that on Thursday, and on Friday I could walk up and downstairs for the first time since January. Whoa, miracle drug there. Went on Tuesday. The next Tuesday had an MRI, and the doctor was like, well. Good news is we can't find anything wrong with your knee. You're, you've done everything right. Your legs are strong. Muscles are strong. There's no torn tendons. There's no torn meniscus. Nothing. So that's the great news. The bad news is we don't know why you hurt. But since the steroid worked, how about you get a steroid shot? And I'm like, bring it on. So they did a cortisone shot that Tuesday. He said, don't run tonight because you've just had a needle like stuck in your knee. I'm like, okay. I did my first mile the next day, that Wednesday, and... It was great. So I've been running. So what happens once the steroid wears off? I go get another one. (laughs) (laughs) He said it could last anywhere from like three weeks to like three years. I mean, I know people that 
have got, you know, oh yeah, I got one of those years ago and never had to get another one. And there's other so, people who are getting them every few months. Right. Yeah. Right. So I'm hoping I'm not one of the few months people. <laughs> but once I figured out I could run again and managed to do a couple miles, I signed up for triathlon. So I'm doing that Sunday. Because <laughs> why not? Yeah, I don't know about that. I saw that triathlon on Sunday. There's a lot of issues there. That's going to be a morning of if I go race. The night before is the Capital before Fair. Is a big event for the school, yes. Big I've for school. signed up to volunteer very early in the evening. Not only that, but that evening is also Thunder over Louisville. That's right. Yeah, which that doesn't bother me. Will at all. be the first time that's run in a couple of years, and I imagine will be absolutely mobbed. It will be a lot of fun because it's going to be eighty degrees out. Mm-hmm. So everybody will be there. The question is, will we be there? <laughs> uh, I will watch it on TV since you know I don't do late nights and I don't do big crowds like that very often. So the the other side of that is, is that I would get home at midnight, twelve mm-hmm. <laughs> thirty if we go. That's not really conducive to racing that next morning at 6 yeah. a.m. I don't even know what time the race starts. It's usually 8. Yeah. For, if I'm going to sign up the morning of, I'm going to get there at like 6. Yeah. I've done that before. The problem is I'd be coming off another night without the little, with a little sleep because we have Saturday morning swim practice. <laughs> Which I am probably going to skip. Which is kind of the back-to-back uh, lack of sleep would might be problematic for for racing. For racing. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't it's know. the only race that I'm like even looking at for this year, so I figure, eh, why not since I I mean, I'm anticipating it's the, by the time I get to the run, uh, yeah, I'm just doing it for fun. <laughs> Actually, I'm excited to see how my swim goes because my swimming has gotten so much better since I haven't been able to run. The bike is probably not I, I don't even have my racing, racing bike together it's still on a trainer so i'll probably be on my endurance bike so that's not going to go super fast but that's okay yeah, that's the longest one too that's the one that goes out and back yeah it's 18 one. miles for the bike but it's only a 5k run so yeah it's a 5k run with a nice little incline mm-hmm. just at one spot the rest is totally flat <laughs> yes <laughs> that incline about. sucks <laughs> oh because it goes all the way out and down that trail and down that road it's that one little incline. Yeah, when you're coming back into the park. 30 yeah. yards. 30 yards, and it's steep. Yeah. Steep. Little steps. That's, that's, every time I run that, I come back up, you're like... Yep. Little steps, <sighs> little steps. Good fun. All right. So you wanted to talk about running today. Yeah, one of the things that we... Uh, or I talked about two weeks ago when we were not able to get together was the physics of running, kind of a introduction to the physics of running of kind of, these are the forces that are occurring when we run and what we're trying to minimize, maximize, which I'm sure you've listened to. <laughs> I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. Right? You running. haven't even listened to this. No. That's okay. <laughs> I don't ever listen to our podcast. I don't like the way my voice sounds. Well, you and weren't I, on that one. I know, but I, with all my spare time. Which is why I couldn't be here to record it. <laughs> well, the other side of this is, okay, we've got these forces that occur in running, and what are we going to do to manage them in a way that maximizes our speed? And it all starts with posture. You've got to be able to stand straight up, 
not bend from the waist, which is the big mistake a lot of new runners make. Mm-hmm. And for me, the easiest way to get a feel for that, to understand that, is go to a wall, put your feet on the bottom of the wall, put your butt on the wall, put your shoulder blades on the wall. That's standing straight. <laughs> Doesn't get any easier than that. We start by standing straight. We got to have a tall posture, straight posture. That way, our center of gravity is really in the middle of us and not forward already. Correct. Because the, the we'll get back to the center of gravity. The center of gravity matters quite a bit. And if we stand straight, the center of gravity is going to be in the middle of us. Now, the next element of running is being able to offset the uh, the rotational forces that we get from running. In that right. podcast, I talk about when you push off the ground, the ground pushes back. Right. It's bigger than us. It wins. And that generates a rotational force backwards. If we did not lean, we would fall on our butts. Correct. And as kids learn when they start trying to walk, that's why they, when they freak at their first step, they fall on their butt. Then they learn to lean, and then they go falling on their face until they learn the balance point of it. It's good that they learn, and that's why they hold on to things. Yes, very much so. When we... So, so to lean to counterbalance this, we don't want to, again, lean at the waist. Again, that's the mistake that most runners they make. They, they're going to use their waist, which combined with gravity, leans us forward and generates that Well, not leaning it, bends rather than lean. Right. Well, I mean, there's still going to be a lean. Even if I, I'm still, I've still got to lean forward sure. okay. to counter that force. I still have to move past the balance point where I would fall. If, if I wasn't running, I'd fall on my face. Mm-hmm. If I have the forward lean and bend forward that really moves my center of gravity really far forward yes it's not underneath my waist anymore if i stand real tall and bend from the ankles and the way, again the way to do this would be to kind of get a, your posture standing tall then start bending not at the waist or any other part of the body but from the ankles just bend forward a little bit until you start to lose your balance and run with it mm-hmm That'll give you a feel for that posture. That's the that's the most important element of running. Now, one of the uh, best images I've ever heard for that is like a skier that's going off a jump and they've got the skis up, so they're bent at the ankles and they're leaning forward, yes. going off a ski jump. That's the best image that I've ever heard. It makes a lot of sense. Okay, and, and the whole reason we do this again is to keep our center of gravity. Close to under, close to our hips, and not in front of it. Mm-hmm. The other element of it is the other mistake that people make the other way is they have a tendency to pull their shoulders back mm-hmm. and kind of arch their back. That's something that you will do at times. I've seen your running form. Mm, probably, I arch my back really a little bit. Okay, I'll see you kind of, you know, really kind of pull those shoulder blades back some. The, where that creates a problem is it doesn't allow for the swinging of the arms. You're, when you pull that shoulders back, you can't swing. Really, the shoulders need to be relaxed. It's from the, you know, the hips up to the shoulders is where your core is that you need to engage. Okay. The shoulders themselves should kind of relax and almost even fall forward, which gives you a lot more mo- you know, If I'm back, I don't have nearly as much mobility in my elbows and swinging my arms 
if I'm leaning forward, and if you do this in your seat, you can feel how much easier it is to swing your elbows when your arms are kind of relaxed. I guess forward. one of the things I try to do is pull the elbows back, and yeah. that probably pulls me back. Pulls you back some. Where really, you know, you don't have to pull it back. You just have to fire it back. Mm-hmm. Fire it back in this position. Because what the arms are doing is, is they have to maintain, they maintain the cadence of the feet. So when the arm goes back, foot has to land, vice versa. Right. That's why it's important to be able to swing your arms freely and quickly to be able to increase your cadence, which we can get to in a minute here. Okay. And the other part of the relaxation is you want to also kind of relax your hands and arms. You don't want to put tension in there. The reason you don't want that is because you're trying to conserve energy. As a distance runner, if I'm balling my hands like this, that's energy being expended. Mm -hmm. Over two hours, that's a lot of energy (laughs) that gets expended. If I relax them, I don't have that problem. The same thing with my shoulders. A lot of people, as they get tired, they they try to... That's what people, they, they also pull their shoulders back to kind of fight the fatigue. Because mm-hmm. when you fatigue, that's when you bend over right. You're bending at, at, the the, at the waist. That's when you will slow down dramatically because the center of gravity moves forward. Right. It becomes this kind of real balance. And that's where it's really important to really, when you're running and you're building up your distance, to make sure you try to maintain as good a form as possible. So I have a new uh, appreciation now for all my pacers that are holding a stick. <laughs> For two hours, three hours, whatever, as they're pacing. Yeah, painful, painful. Because <laughs> yeah, you got to have that grip and, yeah. Mm. Now, the other side of this is the foot strike. This is the one that gets a lot of talk in running. Well, you don't want to strike with your heel, blah, blah, blah. You want to land yeah. your midfoot. And the striking, where your foot strikes on your foot really isn't that important. What matters is where your center of gravity is because that's where the foot's going to hit if my center of gravity is close to my middle and not way out front it doesn't matter if i heel strike because i'm still landing right there in the middle there's some really high elite athletes that land on their heel Mm -hmm. that have high cadence and roll it on out what matters is where it strikes in relationship to your body Mm -hmm. is it underneath you or is it out in front of you if it's out in front of you that's where all the problems occur because I'm landing out in front while my foot's in contact with the ground it's breaking mm-hmm. now now the foot's in front I can't toe off until it's behind me mm-hmm. all that time I'm on the ground I'm breaking and I'm not making that next step that's bad <laughs> yeah that's a lot of energy to try and pull you're pulling yourself forward instead of pushing yourself forward if you're doing that yeah well i mean you, you've still got momentum but you're yeah but <clears throat> once you're on the ground you're waiting you're, you're breaking because you're in contact with the ground you're not yeah. going forward the other sad part about that is all the energy that's stored in the calves will dissipate if you're on the ground too long as well yeah there's always some rebound that's why like if you you know, if you just bounce on your feet, you can easily bounce. But as soon as you stop and start again, there's a lot of effort there. Yeah. The, so there is some bounce in your calves. Mm-hmm. The longer your foot's on the ground, the, that energy will dissipate very quickly. Yeah. It's not 100% rebound. And we need to get that quick foot strike. If we're landing too far out in front, we're not getting that foot strike. The other problem with landing out in front of you, to make that work, we have to go in a higher arc 
to make that happen. So from my, my foot comes off to where it lands, mm-hmm. if it's out further, that means I have to go in a higher arc to get yeah. to that spot. Where if it were landing more underneath me, I wouldn't have to go in as big an arc. Right. The higher arc means that more energy is wasted on going vertical. Because when we look at energy on toe-off, it's in two directions, vertical and horizontal. We want to maximize the horizontal, minimize the vertical. So if yep. I, if, and this is what you see from the overstriders. It jumps so high in the air. The really bad ones that you can see, that the, especially the gazelles, the ones that like to leap from foot to yeah. foot. Yeah, pounding along. And just, I just watch that and go, wow, that's a lot of wasted energy. <laughs> yeah. They would be a lot faster if they didn't do those things. Yeah. <laughs> now... As it so happens, when the foot lands under your hips, as close to that as you can get, it's going to land out in front just because of the nature of the lean. That tends to be a midfoot strike, which is why everybody is so enamored with the midfoot strike. Right. It's not so much that you're landing on your midfoot, it's just that's where you're just wanting to land that one spot. And to land on that spot, for most people, they have to have a midfoot strike. It's usually people that have different types of mechanical issues that might land rear-footed in their foot or whatever it might Mm -hmm. be. Some people will run up on their toes in that situation, which causes its own problems. You get calf fatigue because you're using your calves too much. I run on my toes only when I'm going uphill just because I have really tight Achilles, but I can't do it for very long. (laughs) Most people can't. Yeah. And and that's the other side. Those are the people that are going too far forward. You're getting on... On mm-hmm. the well, the only, like I said, back. the only reason I'm doing is steep, short hills. Well, I mean, you have to on a street uphill. Yeah. As you find, once I'm going uphill to be able to counterbalance things, I have to actually lean forward more. Right. Because of the hill, I, I don't really get great push-offs and things of that nature. So I have to yeah. lean more to, to deal with the counterbalance. And vice versa, when you're going downhill, you actually lean back. Just a hair. Most people will lean, especially if you're slowing down at all to go down the hill. You're going to have to lean back. I don't slow down going down the hill. Foot foot strikes. (laughs) It depends how steep the hill is. Yeah, well, that's true. I don't do well on super steep hills because I'm try to to get that cadence up as fast as I can going down the hill and actually lean going down the hill just a little bit, not a whole lot, kind of like a snowball. If you can do it, usually a lot of people will run out of their, their cadence and get going too fast and you can end up on your face. Well, I don't do that. That'd be bad. That only happens if there's a pothole or something in front of me that I don't see or somebody jumps in front of me. But anytime you feel your foot hitting your heel on the way downhill, you're you're probably leaning back. And there's a lot yeah. of braking involved. There's a lot of braking involved, To yeah. keep yourself from going too fast. I just, I, a lot of people that say they have knee issues try to go slower down the hills and, what, and they end up jamming their knees more. So that's why I try to keep that cadence high enough going down the hill and you got to be brave i mean you know you if you're scared to run down the hill and you're braking constantly yeah it's gonna hurt yeah a lot of it depends so. on for me it always depends on how steep the hill is yeah if it's not steep yeah we're, we're gonna roll on down it because yeah. it's an easy run yeah but when they get steep i no, i'm i'm a, I'm a breaker <laughs> <laughs> it's just the, the 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 necessary side of it yeah Okay, now, so that gets us to two parts of this. We're, you know, we're, we're really worried about where the foot strikes because mm-hmm. it's going to have to strike under your center of gravity because that's where our balance point is. We need to make sure that that's not getting forward too far mm-hmm. via leaning over at the waist. 
that but that's a common thing and that's that's probably one of the biggest reasons people slow down dramatically in a race their posture begins to fail on them mm-hmm. they lean forward and you just can't run fast when you're landing that far out in front yeah when you're bent over and, and that's when you see the guys going like you know from eight minute mile to a 10 minute mile mm-hmm. some of that's i'm out of energy but most of that is I have no longer have good energy to maintain posture and, and do the things I need to to run with good form as well. Mm-hmm. Now, the last element of good form is your cadence. The professional runners and stuff, usually about 180 is that cadence that allows you to have that quick turnover to be able to get some springiness from it. Now, if you're running faster races like a 5K or a 10K, that is probably going to be higher, probably closer to 190 than 180. Yeah. But for a distance runner, it's 180. Now, if you're going out and running slow and easy, you know that's going to be probably a little lower than 180. It's kind of hard to maintain 180 when you're going really slow. When you're going slower, yeah. But that should still be in the 170s probably and mm-hmm. not like 150 or something. People that have a lower cadence tendly are overstriders. Makes sense. Because it just takes so long takes to so go long from to... one to the next. Yeah. Wait, go, wait, come back to the push-off and go again. Mm-hmm. Generally, they're overstriders because uh, it's... It, and some people aren't trained to run yet. They, they don't really pay attention to their cadence, and, and they're kind of just slow moving. Yeah. And they just have to kind of work on picking that cadence up. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times... Smaller strides. Smaller strides. That's the big thing, smaller strides, because w- once again, if I'm trying to lengthen my stride, I'm jumping further which doesn't do me any good. It makes me slower. Where realistically, what I want to do is maintain, learn to get that high cadence. Mm-hmm. And then as I get faster, the stride will lengthen itself. I don't have to reach to get longer strides. The stride occurs from being able to generate more force on the toe-off mm-hmm. rather than reaching on that next stride. Right. You get into weirdness when you, because you can be watching an elite runner run. It looks like they're way leaned over. It looks like they're really stretching out for that next stride, but they're really not. If if you look, what they have that's fantastic is their toe off is like a foot, two feet behind them. Yeah, <laughs> the length is not in front; it's the it's push back, behind. Yes, yeah. and they're able to get just tremendous amount of force without generating any height, and yeah. that's where they they get it. You see them; you see that big line that goes down their leg all the way to the yeah. toe. Yeah, <laughs> the stride is they, incredibly long. And, and that's just a strength thing. That's a yeah. physical, your ability to, to generate that much force. What is your VO2 max? That's that's the fitness yeah. side of it. How long that stride becomes is more a question of fitness than it is biomechanics, mm-hmm. so to speak. And that's what we're looking for. And generally, yeah, that's the best way to start is try to get that cadence up into the 170s, 180s. If you have to shorten your stride, that's probably a good thing because mm-hmm. now I'm landing underneath my center of gravity yeah. and I can get that quicker turnover. That there will probably make a lot of people faster who have real slow cadence and really had take big strides when they run. I had to learn how to do that because um, on the treadmill, I was hitting the front of the treadmill. I'd do that occasionally when I get too far <laughs> It's like, forward. whoopsie. Okay. <laughs> Time to back it up a little. Quicken it up. I'm like, mm, I'm like. Where's all that noise? Oh, it's me. (laughs) Sorry. 
but yeah, so we're trying to get to the 180, which mm-hmm. the smaller steps, there's going to be less vertical flight. You're going to get more spring effect. And your foot is more likely to land underneath you, which is mm-hmm. going to give you that less braking. So when we put it all together, mm-hmm. stand up tall. Don't overcompensate by trying to arch your back, which is a mistake that people will make. Yes. Uh, a lot of runners make it. It's not, not, especially when you, that's the other thing you'll do when you get tired as well. You'll arch your back which means you don't have as good a flow and you can't maintain that high cadence as well. Well, and if you're arching off. your back, that's going to change where your balance is as well, too, a little you're bit. You're going to have to lean forward more, which, again, is going to move you to more of you forward, your center of gravity forward. There's a lot of things that end up happening I'm when thinking, you, like, pelvis tilt and all that other stuff, too. If you're arching, yeah, no, it's bad. Right. So those are the things we're looking for in running. Now, there are special circumstances <laughs> with this that where women have more issues than guys mm-hmm. they have boobies guys do not does change things and that changes this whole dynamic <laughs> yeah uh, a lot of times the women will will, will kind of hold them in place which doesn't allow for the arm swing right one of the other reasons they might be a slower cadence as well they don't get a the lot of women moving. too will cross over they'll tend to rotate the upper Too body much. more just because they are you know trying to keep everything together and just the center of gravity is in a different spot and those are and, that, and they also have a tendency to lean from the waist as well mm-hmm. you'll see that from them as well because yep. of that same problem yeah that's the problem do you have any suggestions on how we can fix that? Because I, I sure don't, man. Support. My, my, mine, are, mine are kind of small. Sorry. So glad, Brent. Oh, my God. I'm here for the comedy. <laughs> no, just definitely, you know, supportive sports for us. I mean, spend the money. Oh, my gosh. Because that is such a problem. And then, yeah. I mean, and it's hard because, like... It, as a woman, I mean, I used to actually hunch over, so I can't, now I'm arching the other way. Yeah, it's kind of a... And it's trying to find that balance. But, yeah, really not a whole lot of suggestions except stay comfortable. Yeah, and, and that is that is the problem, especially for women who are more well-endowed up there. Well, and also having that shorter cadence and having your foot landing more often in not is going to cause your vertical movement up and down to minimize which is going to make you more comfortable which is going to help as well i mean that that is that is a very good point i mean if you're bounding the more the more you're the more you bound that more you try to reach those steps out the more vertical you're going to have you're going to introduce into it which will create more bounce which is the uncomfortable part of it comfortable yep so the the more the strides and kind of like almost like you're scooting but you're not really and i uh, i have a pacer when I watch her run, I'm like, oh my gosh, she she just, it, it's like she's scooting across the ground. It's and kind of the, the old man shuffle. Yeah, but she's fast. She's <laughs> well, the super old man, fast. Dude, there's been no times I've seen the old man shuffling. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's a 145 pacer for yeah. me for a half marathon. and But she can also, you know, she can do a 230 too. Right. She can slow it down. It's She's very interesting to watch. I'm like, wow. It's, She's really efficient. <laughs> so we, we call that the the old man shuffle. We used to the dude who just kind of looks like they're shuffling, but they're rolling out like much yeah. faster than everybody else in the field. Yeah, you can make it work. It, yeah. it's it's actually quite effective. It's because you're decreasing the inefficiencies of your stride, yeah. and that's really what we're talking about with form. Is is how do we put ourselves in a position to minimize the inefficiencies, take away the vertical forces being applied right. to put ourselves in a position to gain the from our 
uh, gain the bounce from our calves, mm-hmm. to gain all those pieces together. Another thing that I had seen, I read in Runner's World years ago, but they were talking about two elite runners, and one was a little bit faster than the other, and they watched their ponytails. And one girl, hers didn't move, and the other one was swinging like crazy, and the one that didn't move was the more efficient runner and was the faster runner. I was like, ah, and just kind of having that visual, it's like, okay, keep the head still, which is going to keep the body still, just sort of little cues like that to minimize minimize the vertical bounce. Yes, because that is... more efficient. Well, because the more you go vertical, that is force that could be put towards the horizontal. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, when you toe off, there's only so much force you can generate. That is genetically bounded. Mm-hmm. We can train it. We can make it better. At the end of the day, that's going to be genetically bounded by your VO2 max and, and other genetic yep. issues. Type 1, type 2 fibers and all that fun stuff. That stuff is bound. What we can do is we can make it more efficient so that the forces being used are applied on the horizontal plane and not wasted on the vertical plane yep. and, and such. And that That's the efficiency side of running. That's the technique side of running. So many people go into running and it's just all fitness, fitness, fitness. But like swimming, there are gains to be made by becoming more efficient. Yeah. They're not as extreme as swimming where efficiency is more important than fitness. Right. At the same time, efficiency matters. Uh, you know, to use 10% less energy to do the same race, well, that means I can maybe go a little harder on the bike. I can go a little faster on the bike. I can go a little faster on the swim and still have still extra have energy for the run. You know, because if I get to the run and I am able to hold my pace throughout, one of the things you learn in triathlon pretty early on is that people fade, <laughs> especially yeah. on the back half. It doesn't matter the distance of the race. People fade. Well, sometimes sprints, not as much, but you get to the Olympic distance further, the last four or five miles of a half marathon, the last mile or two of a 10K, the last mm-hmm. six miles of a marathon, things drop off dramatically if you don't pace yourself right in a race. And if you have can conserve your energy and maintain that pace throughout a race, you're going to do better than a lot of people yeah. <laughs> yeah. who aren't as efficient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Running is a skill sport. People don't train it. Maybe we can talk about some of the drills you can do to work on some of these yeah. elements in a future podcast. But there, there is some efficiency to it. And that's why it is really kind of important to pay a position, pay position, pay attention when you're running to your form. One of the concerns I've always had with listening to podcasts and, and listening to music and things of that nature every time you run, I'm not paying attention to my form. Mm-hmm. Just from my own standpoint, when I'm doing those things, I'm paying attention to those. I don't pay attention to my technique. When you take all that stuff away, you're running. It's boring. The only thing I can, <laughs> the only way I can use to. <laughs> Maybe on a treadmill, is super boring. But if I'm running outside without music, I'm gonna without be without friends. Attention. Without friends, if I'm running by myself outside, sometimes I mean I'll pay attention to my form every once in a while. Granted, I got a brain like a squirrel where you don't. So I'm like, you know, what's over here? What's over here? What's over here? What's over here? Oh, what am I doing? Okay. I'm a little different kind of runner than you are. No, I... I, (laughs) But I do pay attention to my form, especially if I start getting tired. Then I start going, okay, what am I doing? What do I need to change? Why am I feeling this way? 
know, and I'll even when I'm running, I'll, I'll stop once or twice in the run to, especially when I start feeling things get a little bit harder, just to reset. Yeah. Where I'll be like, okay, just stop for a second, because the big myth is that I'm, oh, I've got to run. I'm running for thirty minutes, so it's got to be straight thirty minutes. Or I'm running for an hour, it's got to be. If now you take doesn't. a minute break, it's, it is does not matter one hill of beans. <laughs> that one minute break, use it to like okay, I'm it's, I'm struggling a little bit. If everything feels a little harder to run at this pace that I've been running at, let me reset. Let me stand up straight, get everything in line. Let me lean from the heels and let me start again. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that helps me quite a bit. That's it. funny. I mean, I hear a lot of newer runners. Oh, I'm not a real runner because I have to walk. I'm like. I qualified for the Boston Marathon and I walked it through every water stop yeah. and it was a reset every single time during that qualify. I, I do it all the time. I can't, plus I can't drink water and run at the same time because it goes up my nose. I know you've mastered it. I have not, oh, but I that's, sip it. I'm, that's I'm all. And, and that's my reset. And it's like, okay. I, and I start off again. A lot of people have a hard time starting off again, but it's, you know, it's, it's a reset. It gets me lined back up again and off I go. And the other thing I'll make, I'll pay attention to when I get tired is my shoulders, because those will tighten up. You'll start to usually either I'll either either I'll collapse forward. I don't do that very much anymore. Or the I'll start kind of pulling my shoulders back to instead of engaging my core to hold me high, I use my I try to pull my shoulders, shoulders back to back. hold me high, mm-hmm. and that creates those once again the problems of I, I can't run at a high cadence in that situation because I'm just too tight in the shoulders and I can't really get my arms flowing very easily. Yeah, Those are the things I'm kind of looking for when I'm running. But a lot of it's you know, start with standing against the wall make sure you know what standing up straight feels like. <laughs> and then go yeah. from there. Wait, most people don't ever do that. So yeah. No, I do. I'm weird. Yeah. <laughs> Gee, that's a shocker right there. <laughs> well, thank you all for listening to us. If you like us, uh, give us five stars on iTunes. Right? Yes. If you've enjoyed this podcast, give us five stars on iTunes. If you're watching this on YouTube, hit the subscribe button. We like the subscribers. Hit the like button. That helps us as well. Hit the subscribe button if you want to see more content like this. We post regularly. Hit the bell and you'll be notified when updates occur. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>